Hi, 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 and welcome to Suksepil, my dear friends. Um, Aya Hom, your host today, as always. And uh, we have a guest from the UK, and it's so exciting. He just released his first book on Amazon. It's called It's All in the Mind. So, <laughs> to our listeners, <laughs> hello, everyone. Today we have Phil Hughes, and... Actually, we can tell you a little secret that we thought we recorded a whole podcast episode, but we didn't record. So that's why we already, we can say we had a, a general rehearsal. You, you, do you say that in England? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And now is the real thing. <laughs> yeah. Now we have all the listeners with us and we can hear your fantastic thoughts about the mind about your life about golf about leadership and all the snacksy parts we already talked about but that will come out different this time because every time is different this is true so phil just tell us a bit about yourself um where do you come from and you already told me you have been working in shell for 25 years 24 24. I'm not that old. You're not that old. Oh. <laughs> we start a bit off with the, your corporate world and how you, yeah, have developed looking sure. back. So just say a few words about that. Please, it was so <laughs> great. Sure. So, so just for the listeners, I'm now going to be 10% better. Yes. Uh, than I was at the rest. <laughs> of course, you've got no way of knowing because you don't know what we talked about during the. <laughs> There's no the evidence. There's no exactly. evidence anymore. No. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've worked for for Shell for, for nearly a quarter of a decade, and I've been interested in in the role of the mind just just generally since I guess the mid nineties, mm -hmm. and and I got interested because I was a big golfer. I, I pl played a lot of golf growing up and into my twenties, and and I just wanted to find out a way to you know, how, how to get better at controlling my mind because my mind sometimes would behave and sometimes it would go off on a holiday and not come back for two weeks. And, you know, I'd, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to react to that. And so, so you know, I would have an awful lot of, I would have a lot of thinking going on. There'd be an awful lot of activity up there and some, sometimes that helped me, but mostly it didn't. So I was very interested in the role, the role of the mind chiefly. Well, but, but I guess for one of a better phrase, I wanted to know how better to manage my mind when I was on the golf course. But in, in the mid nineties, when I was in my, my early mid twenties, it was really all about, um, it was about positive thinking and strategies and, and making myself feel better. And, and sometimes that would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Mm. And, and that was kind of frustrating because, because I was always like a lot of people, I was seeking the, uh, the silver bullet, you know, the, uh, the the bullet that was going to make me feel better the whole time and you know the, the strategy which was going to make me feel great a hundred percent of the time mm. um so i read various you know eastern philosophies and went on a spiritual journey what like a like a lot of people mm. people did and um then in in 2011 when i was looking for the next the next big fix the next big golf psychology book i came across um wow. still power by garrett kramer on um right and i'm gonna put that the link Amazon. in that book yeah cool yeah and um i knew there was something slightly different about it it didn't it didn't read like your average psychology book um mm. because there weren't too many 
te- tips or techniques in it. Well, there weren't any t- tips or mm-hmm. techniques in it or strategies. Mm-hmm. But that didn't stop me creating strategies from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one thing that I, I in particular remember Garrett wrote about, you know, are your, are your thoughts clear? Are your feelings good? Are you open to the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. So I adopted that as a mantra. You know, I think, well, you know, I'd be checking in, you know, am I thinking clearly? Am I feeling good? You know, mm. sort of like, am I, am I open to the bigger picture? In which case, go for it. And, mm. and if, if I wasn't, then don't, you know, sit still and wait for the good thought, you know, the clear mind and the good feelings. Mm. And, and, and again, sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Hmm. And later that year, I was, I was on a leadership training and um had a touch of man flu didn't didn't feel great at all don't know how sick I really was but I just felt you know you know what guys are like I just (laughs) felt terrible and I had to do a presentation that day and Mm. I really I really didn't want to do the presentation anything but the presentation because I was just feeling awful and I was thinking oh people will just think think terrible things of me that I'm not a good presenter yada 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 the, the usual stuff that at the time I would think about presenting. And, hmm. and I just felt so bad. I thought, I'd been reading, reading Garrett's book that morning. I thought, you know what, just show up. Just show up and, and do the presentation and, and see what happens. And, and I did that. And for whatever reason, I was completely in the flow. I hmm. didn't have to think about anything. Everything came naturally to me. I didn't have to refer to storyboards or or a script or anything, it just came pouring out of me. Hmm. And it was really well received and people were kind enough to say that, you know, that was an amazing presentation. Where did you learn to present like that? Hmm. After people had said all these kind things about me, I was sitting hmm. that sitting back reflecting on, on what had happened and it occurred to me that I was feeling terrible. Hmm. I'd totally forgotten about that. <laughs> for the previous hour when I'd been prepping for the presentation and I'd been working with people and then I'd been given the presentation, I'd completely forgotten that I felt terrible, totally gone out of my head. And then I remembered and then I thought, hold on a minute, that went well and you felt terrible. How is that possible? Because everything I'd learned up to that point, you know, and I was, I was 40 by that point, had, had suggested to me, in order to perform well, you've got to be feeling great and you've got to have a clear head and you have to have the right set of circumstances. And that experience just blew that out of the water because according to what I'd learned, that should not have been possible. I felt terrible. How could I have had a, how could it have gone that well? So how and, could it? <laughs> well, at that point I realized that I'd, um, I'd missed the deeper point of that book and I needed to, take a take a take a deeper look into that book and other others like it um because I, I just intuitively knew there was more to be seen so for the last seven years i've done i've been doing various courses and read various books and had various conversations to to deepen my understanding understanding of how the human experience really works mm. so that's and that's also why you now wrote your new book right yeah about metaphors yes and congratulations this is so exciting it really is thank you and and the beautiful thing reading your book is that you very often go to nature to find like 
understanding how we, our mm. experiences as human beings yeah. and relate to other things out there in nature. And for me, it makes completely sense. And also you have other pictures. Like, can you, do you remember this metaphor about the DVD? Mm-hmm. I mean, those who are old enough to know yeah. what a DVD is. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Are you young'uns out there? Yeah. <laughs> DVD player used to be. No. Yeah, well, the parallel, the way, the way things really work, I mean, the reason I, I, I wrote the metaphors is because um, they just help you understand the human experience more than, more than kind of dry words, if you, mm. if you know what I mean comparisons just they paint a picture for people they create an image in people's heads like oh okay so that's how it works and it's it's just a bit more colorful it brings it more to life and and the parallels are all around us i mean you, you know you, you can you could literally create a metaphor out of anything you know you 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 really can um and it's it's you know our experience works one way with you know, sort of like as, as we think that's our experience, that's how we feel, that's how we create things. Um, so, so it makes sense that every, you know, there's nothing that you can experience that isn't within thought. It can't, you know, yeah. So, you know, if to be experiencing it, you have to be thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, it can't, you know, sort of like if it's beyond thought, it can't be in your experience. You cannot experience something that is beyond thought. Hmm. you absolutely can't and if and if and if people and if people don't believe that fair enough i totally get that you've got to be able to you've got to be able to prove things through your own experience right i wouldn't I would, you shouldn't trust other what other people say or their their experience rely on your own experience test it out say okay what in my life can have i experienced that has not included thinking but the catch is, Aya, you can't think about it. Because <laughs> if you do, you kind of prove the point. Oh, wow. That's deep. <laughs> Sorry, I hate it when people do that to me. Um, but, but that, I mean, that, that, that's the thing, right? And, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's what we've got to look at. It's okay. So if your thinking isn't included... How is your experience being formed? How is it being created? Hmm. There's only one way it works. If people can find an exception to it, I'd love to hear about it. I personally have not come across one. I'm not saying there isn't one out there, but Hmm. my experience tells me, well, my experience suggests I haven't found one and I really don't believe there is an exception. That we are always feeling our thinking. Yeah, absolutely. In the moment. That's what absolutely okay. yeah yeah completely and 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 the dvd player me- metaphor came to me because because basically there are three components to the human experience right so so there has to be a life force an, an animating force so, so that that if you like is is the dvd player which actually plays the dvd mm-hmm then then you know there has to be be a screen if you will on which all the action takes place you know mm-hmm. um 
so that's the TV screen or what we call consciousness. That's our ability to be conscious. You know, we experience everything that's going on, on in consciousness. Now, if, if that was the extent of it, if that's where it finished there, mm. then you wouldn't see a lot on the screen. <laughs> it would just be blank pixels. There would really be nothing there. Mm. So, so thought or thinking, mm. that's what colors the pixels of the screen. That's what mm. creates the action, the perceived action. So, so that's where I came up with the image. So the DVD player is the energy behind life. The TV mm. screen is, is consciousness. And then the images that are coming off of the DVD, which are being played into the, mm. um, the TV, those are, those are your thoughts. Mm. Those thoughts are what creates the action that you actually, actually see on the TV screen of life. Wow. So I know there are many business people listening to this podcast. And obviously, we are human beings interested in yeah. helping us and helping our colleagues achieve our goals, mm. our business goals, as well as our life goals, but right now also the day-to-day -day business goals. Yeah. So, so what would you say could be helpful for for our listeners to go out tomorrow <laughs> to work with a different maybe attitude something some new thoughts some new insights to help yeah great question i i, I think i think for me, for me it's always a case of understanding what is it what is it i want to achieve what is it i've got to achieve and then understanding well what stops me from achieving it and really putting that under the microscope because generally speaking i mean there are pra you know there are practical considerations to this as well you know there are some things that are physically or logistically impossible but it's amazing how when you really look deeply into into business problems how many of them are well all of them are thought created for a start they're, they're all they're all your perception of everything is thought is, is you know a result of what you're thinking it's all thought cre thought created but when you actually start to look at the truth of that thought created world some very surprising things can happen if you really put it under the microscope hmm. because it can lead you to to realize how much of what you believed was cast in stone, an absolute fact, is actually a thought-based kind of story, an, an illusion you've been telling yourself, and it's, it's not as true as, as you thought it was. And, and what I've found for me, Aya, is, is as, as I've learned more and more about this, and my mind has generally got quieter and quieter and quieter. I just don't see the amount of problems that I used to. Hmm. So one of the things about having a really clear mind and realizing that you can only ever experience your thinking hmm. is over time it quietens your mind down. And without you actually doing anything, things that look like problems no longer look like problems. So to the person going into to work, 
wanting a better experience, wanting to achieve their goals, mm. I would say really put put those feelings under the microscope and challenge, you know, put your reality under the microscope and challenge the truth of it and say, is that really true? And if you're still convinced that it's true, ask yourself, well, how can, you know, if I'm not, if this, if this experience, if this reality isn't thought created, where is it coming from? If thinking isn't involved at all, what's the basis for it? Hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think many people would say, like, it's, of course, I'm caught up because I'm afraid maybe of losing my job or not reaching mm. my goal or, and this is reality yeah but but again it's it's where and, and that's completely understandable and as long as you're human you're going to have those experiences mm. um but it's a misunderstanding of where it's coming from it's saying i'm worried about losing my job well okay let's look at that for a moment you're, you're worried about losing your job why do you think you're going to lose your job and then you know sort of because it's like well this 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 and and you'll usually find there's a whole load of projections into the future that are associated with that mm. the person to some some degree or another has convinced themselves that the story of the future is already written we can't know that mm. we don't know that there's only there's only one place you can be there's only one time you can be sorry which is now mm. And there's only one place that you can be, which is here. All of those projections, you're experiencing them now and here. They're not, they're, ju they're just, they're, I mean, I hate to say this, they're just thoughts. I mean, it trivializes yeah. them. They, it feels yeah. real. It feels like a real experience. Yeah. But put under the microscope, it's only happening now. It's only happening here. If we could all tell the future, we'd all be winning the Euro lot lottery every week. And I notice we're not. <laughs> um you know if if anyone does know what the numbers are going to be next week i'll even stump up the euro for the ticket and split the winnings with you if you want i mean i'm perfectly prepared to do that but it, it's it's kind of sweet in that mm. as human beings we think we can kind of turn off this this sixth sense which tells us about the future in some circumstances and others we can't we worry about, you know, we worry about our spouse. We worry about our kids and this, that, and the other. The truth is we have no idea how things are going to turn out. And all of these things about losing your job and all these, I'm, I'm not demeaning the experience because it seems really, really real at the time. Mm. But the truth is we have no idea how it's going to play out. You losing your job could be the best thing that ever happens to you. You just have no way of knowing. It feels really comforting when it's out like that, Phil. Good. That was the yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I also think a lot of people will will feel the same. Well, well, I well I hope so because you we waste so much energy worrying about the past, worrying about the future, mm. and and when you look at it, I mean, again, you can only experience the past and the future in one one, one time in one place now and here mm. um or nowhere if you like to mm. put them together i mean 
that that's the only place you can, you can experience them. But we, we waste so much energy thinking about these things. And, and when you think about it, I, I'm sure that you've got, you like me have got experiences that 20 years ago seemed like a really big deal to you. Hmm. And now they're no longer a big deal. Absolutely. Well, the circumstances happened the way the circumstances hmm. happened, hmm. but your feelings and your whole perception of that event has completely changed. Now, how is that possible? Yeah. And you, you told me before about you have used to work really hard on your presentations. Yeah. And that changed also for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. So I, it used to be up to two or three years ago that I would, if I was given two weeks to do a presentation, I would absolutely grind on it for 13 of those 14 days before handing it into management and and then then getting the feedback and in, invariably it would be they would they would come back with with changes which would take me two days and I had two hours to do them in and the whole experience was incredibly stressful mm. but about two or three years ago I just had this insight this this thought just came into my head well when you've perfected your presentation mm. how many people is it perfect to and the answer came back, one, you. <laughs> you have no idea how the other people are going to think about that presentation. You've got, you don't know whether they're going to love it or hate it or somewhere in between. You have no idea because you're not in their head and everyone's living in their own thought-created reality. So why are you stressing about this? Because no matter how good you think it is, you cannot guarantee how, how it's going to be received. So what that did for me, I was I just started, I just... I dropped a lot of thinking about it because invariably mm. the thinking was all about me. It was like, Oh, what are they going to think of me if I don't do it right? What mm. if I mess this up? What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I do the other? And I thought, you know, you know what? It's not about me at all. I mean, they're going to react the way they're going to react. So just do whatever makes sense to you in that moment in time, put it out there and see what happens. Mm. So, I started doing presentations in a day as opposed to 13 days. Mm. Eight, because I just wasn't thinking about it so much and getting in my own way so much. I was just doing what made sense, going with my first instinct and putting it out there after a day, knowing I had 13 days to correct it. And the really interesting thing is, Aya, is that I, don't, I get way less feedback and corrections now than I ever mm. did. Wow. So you feel they even got better? The quality. Oh, yeah, because I, I think I spent so much time tying myself into a mental knot. Yeah. That I I had no idea what was good or bad anymore. Anyway, I had no sense yeah. of what was good or bad because yeah. I was trying to intellectually figure it out, and it was it it was it was a complete waste of time because I was trying to I was trying to I was trying to judge myself against a yardstick which I'd completely made up mm. and was a complete illusion. Mm. So, you know, the, the problem with trying to live up to an illusion is you can't do it. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I get, I mean, we can say that you had a lot of insecure thinking about yeah. your presentations. And yeah. traditionally, we we are a bit used to hearing that, oh, okay, then people should give you positive feedback and encourage you. Yeah, uh, and all like a lot of things telling you you're good, mm. so that you can have 
but more confidence. But this is actually not what happened to you. No. The change was in different. So how is it different from telling you you're good? Well, I kind of realized that good, good and bad is a very, very subjective standard anyway. I mean, if we create a spectrum with good on one end and bad on the other, where's the line? Where does it cross over from being good to bad? If you put 30 people in a room and they're listening to a very provo provocative speaker, say Donald Trump, just plucking an example out of the air. Some people in that room are going to completely agree with everything he says. Some people are going to completely disagree with everything he says. They're listening to the same person. So everyone's line as to what's credible, what's not credible, what's good, what's not good, mm. it's different. It varies from, you know, from person to person and from moment to moment within that person. Because I know there are things that I love now, like sushi. I love sushi. <laughs> 20 years ago, I hated it. <laughs> but it's still the same. Well, it's not the same sushi, obviously. That would be really bad. Um, but, you know, it would be horrible. Um, but, you know, my attitude has completely mm. changed. But sushi fundamentally hasn't changed the, the idea of it. Mm. So what I came to realise, are is good and bad. I mean... The thing is, if, if you encourage positive, if you empower positive thinking, you automatically empower negative thinking as well. Mm. If you're no longer worried, particularly worried about either, neither's a problem. <laughs> so, what, you know, what some people think is good, some people think is bad. So it can't, it can't be the thing. So that the standard has all got to be made up. Mm. And it's, it's just a, you know, I mean, when, when, when we're born... We don't, we don't, we don't have language, you know, we can't say this, is, we don't say this is good or bad. We might have a sense of it, but we can't articulate it. Mm. Um, we don't have that. We learn that. We learn, we learn that. It's not something which is inherent to us at all. Hmm. So all these yardsticks, they're just kind of, they're just kind of made up. And that's, I guess that's why, how I, how I got past, you know, sort of, War, being worried about good and bad thinking now just to be clear i'm I, i'm i'm still right in it every day i for sure i have stuff that i think is wonderful and things i think are terrible but that's what you do as you're being a human you know being a human some days you you can see that it's all made up and other days it looks seriously real and a serious problem hmm. so if a colleague of you would have like what we can call like bad behavior mm. um rude language or cynical or absolutely no smiles no encouraging yeah. body language and all those things that normally make us mm. secure and yeah well <laughs> yeah do you have like a suggestion for people that can help dealing with with this kind of behavior be with them, you know, as much as you can, just be with them, listen to them and understand them and don't judge them. Try and, you know, just the power, the power of listening is huge to just feel like someone isn't judging you, that they're just accepting you for who you are. Like, but that would be difficult in a business meeting, for instance. Sure. It can be really, really difficult, but, yeah. but I've seen it several, several times where, 
where people will just calm down because if if you meet say aggression with aggression it just fuels the aggression i mean it's it's a bit like trying to put out a fire by throwing gasoline on it you know that's not really going to do the trick whereas if you just let the let the fire so to speak just sort of burn itself out it will and if you know you you just basically try and understand people and give them space to be who they are and to really understand where it's coming from then they might just calm down enough for you to really mm. help them understand that maybe maybe the way they're seeing things isn't factual reality it's just how they happen to be feeling about things in that moment in time i'm not saying it's easy no yeah. no i think that's something to reflect on i reflect on it all the time yeah and believe me there are some people who drive me absolutely nuts <laughs> i'm better at it with some people than others i mean it depends where i am on the day because because you're human right and you you go up and down and i i think you know i i think that's what, what something that the most enlightened beings of you know history whoever you want to think of whether it's you know mm. jesus or, or the buddha or anyone like that i think i think part of their enlightenment is they got really comfortable with well i'm always going to be a human in which case i'm going to have my bad my good moments and my bad moments and that's okay because that's part of the deal that's part of the package mm. um but the good thing is when you see that that those are experiences you know if you like those are those are images playing out on the tv screen but they're not who you are Mm. then that gives you a little bit of distance from them so you are better than that you think you're not you're not what you think mm. you're not the contents of that yeah you know the close you know i've had some teachers talk about it as you know you are the screen on which the action plays out and and, and that, that that makes sense to me so would you have like for the listeners in norway and also probably in other parts of europe at least we have we're now in the dark season and since you're so connected to nature in your metaphors could you give us some hope uh, here <laughs> in the darkness <laughs> well i think you just said it i to be honest with you because the sun's always there even when you can't see it don't forget oh, it's there that's beautiful it never goes anywhere even when you can you can convince yourself that you absolutely can't see it huh. and and okay so so I'll, I'll add to it a little bit so even though it's a dark season you don't see the sun much can you still see the moon yes where's the moonlight coming from <laughs> the sun exactly yeah the moon doesn't have light it's it's reflecting the sun so when you can't see the sun look for the moon i don't know what to do if you can't see the moon i mean yeah but <laughs> just know the sun is 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 still up there even 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 when you can't see it and it, and it's exactly the same with our with our with our well-being as well even even when you can't when it feels like you can't connect to it it's still there and if you know if if you don't believe that the human system the physiological and the mental human system is there looking after you mm. i'd encourage you to do a quick experiment 
which is to hold your breath for as long as you can. Sooner or later, you're going to breathe out. You can't help it because that's your body looking after you. Wow. Very well. So every time we doubt, we can just hold our breath. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because sooner or later, you're going to breathe out. You You can't not breathe out. And the system is designed to look after you. That's why we don't have to set our alarm clocks for 2 a.m. to check that we're still breathing and our hearts are still going. Hmm. Those things happen naturally. And, and, our, and, our, and our minds are no different. The mind will always strive to clear out any unhelpful thinking, any, any thinking which is, which is taking you in an, in an unproductive direction. It will always try. Hmm. And... I've had people who have been in the midst of depression say to me, I don't believe that. I've been feeling this way for the last 20 years. Mm. And, and I've asked them, so have as gently as I can. So in those 20 years, have you ever even had a split second where you felt better, where you felt differently? Mm. And they always say yes. And I said, well, there you go. That's mm. just... That's, that's, your, that's your wisdom, that's your well-being trying to peek through. Hmm. Just to remind you that it's trying to, hmm. it's, it's trying to change things. Yeah. Because your experience is always changing, even when it looks like it's static. It never is. It's always changing imperceptibly. Yeah. Yes. Like the sun coming back. Was always its there. way back to us. Yeah, might take a while. Might take six months, but it'll come yeah. back. We'll be <laughs> able to see it again. But it's always there, even when you can't see it for six months. So true. Thank you so much, Phil. Writer of "It's All in the Mind," and you can get your book on Amazon.com really easily or Kindle. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. Thank you for having me as a guest, Ira. It's been immensely enjoyable and. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to me, um, yeah, yeah, feel free. Fantastic! Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.